Well, it's not a real surprise, but we actually do have a president-elect in Joe Biden. The vote was certified, but not without an insurrection unprecedented in Washington, D.C. There's no way we can have a news podcast discussion like this week in the CLE without addressing the various aspects of that and how they impact Ohio. I'm Chris Quinn here with my colleagues, Chris Ranowski, Jane Cahoon, and Laura Johnston. I'm sure you're all moved by what we saw happen yesterday. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a uh, it's bad. All right, let's uh we're gonna we're gonna devote several segments to this discussion and kind of break it down in, in the topics and uh let's go. What did Ohio's Republican and Democratic leaders have to say Wednesday after an insurrection sparked by President Donald Trump's call for protests? blocked temporarily the certification of the November election of the president by Congress. Jane Cahoon, they, they, they were pretty vocal and they kind of tore into each other a little bit. Well, the, I, I mean, there was pretty much universal condemnation by Ohio Republicans who who said this is not, you know, Mike DeWine called it an embarrassment to our country. Um, of course, back in September, he had predicted that there was no way that Trump would stand in the way of a peaceful transition of, of power. And, you know, he, he uh, didn't directly criticize Trump, but he did call on him to, to say, stop it. This is an embarrassment. He was joined by, you know, secretary of state, Frank LaRose, Lieutenant governor, John Houston, attorney general, Dave Yost, house speaker, Bob Cup, Senate president, Matt Huffman, the list goes on and on. And then Jane Timken, the Ohio Republican party chairman, who is, a really staunch Trump ally said that what happened at the Capitol was wrong and this was not the way to redress grievances. And as soon as she tweeted that, Ohio House Minority Leader Amelia Sykes, a Democrat, of course, jumped on it and said, no, 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 no. You own this. You and the entire party save these shallow words. You know, this is on you and the rest of the Republicans who let this crap happen for years. You wanted the glory. Now you take the blame. So, yes, there was some back and forth on that. And as I said, the Republicans uh, pretty much, you know, well, they condemned it, the violence and, and, you know, as obviously wrong. But we didn't see a lot of direct criticism of Trump, except for Matt Dolan, uh, state senator of Chagrin Falls, who said the U.S. Capitol protest is a failure of leadership, starting with Donald Trump. Too many so-called leaders perpetuated lies about the outcome of the November election and the people who trust their leadership believe them and real real leaders don't manipulate. So, so let's go back to what Amelia Sykes said, though, that that the mm-hmm. Republicans own this. I mean, yeah, everybody came out and said, I condemn violence. But DeWine, all of them, DeWine, all the way up to, to DeWine, to Houston, Jim Jordan, Jim Renacci, Rob Portman, they've all stood by Trump for four years as his rhetoric and nonsense has gotten worse and worse. And when. Donald Trump said in the Cleveland presidential debate to the Proud Boys, instead of repudiating them, he said, stand down and stand by. It was almost like he was calling them, hey, if I don't win this, I expect you to come and defend me. And he said many things over the last eight weeks of the same way, including the speech he gave yesterday before they rushed into the Capitol and tore the place apart. So. So, I, yeah, it's easy to say, yes, you shouldn't tear apart the Capitol. But what I'm wondering how does this support, this blind support of Trump, stick to them? Because I think America 
saw this yesterday and it was clearly a turning point. This isn't like all the other Trump antics. The president of the United States provoked an insurrection at the Capitol, the most sacrosanct people's house in America, and did very little to stop it. And if you read the reports, was reveling in it for a couple hours before he realized, "Uh uh-oh, a lot of people are looking at me. So DeWine, how many times do we ask him, Jane? You know, are, repeatedly, are you gonna, repeatedly over months and months, like, uh, what do you think about what the president said about, uh, you know, not committing to the peaceful transfer of power? What do you think when he said this election's rigged? You know, and, and he we never always, once said it's bad for the leader of America to undermine people's belief in the election. He right. always he, played the toady. Yeah, he said, uh, you know, the president has every right. There's nothing unusual about filing legal challenges. and But there is. There's zero evidence. I mean, that's the that was the falsity of that. Well, he's just filing his legal challenges. No, you can't file bogus legal challenges because that's not what the courts are for. He never said it, though. He stood by him. So does this now stick to him? Does this now harm him with Ohio voters, his his blind support? of a president who's turning out to be a madman. You know, it's interesting because our previous discussions about DeWine, you know, were more like, oh, is he going to face a far right challenge from somebody who's Trumpier than than he is? So it's really interesting to to think about this. Uh, yeah, but I think know, that might have changed yesterday. I, I mean, yeah, that yeah, was such yeah. a reality check for the nation. This is what unchecked power and blind loyalty gets you. And never once did any of these guys, look, these guys are all smart. They all care about the country, but they were, they were beaten down by fear. If I speak out against the president, mm-hmm. he's going to come after me. I mean, that's ended, we ended up with World War II is appeasement, right? So they mm-hmm. all appeased a guy who was completely out of control for his entire four years. And this is what we get. I just, the question for me now is, has the whole game changed? For Republican leaders in Ohio who were so blindly loyal to this guy. When we resurrected that story about him guaranteeing that Trump wouldn't cause any trouble, that that really made him look pretty foolish. Yeah, anyway. I, I was one of the first ideas I had. You <laughs> Great idea. Ohioans, it would be peaceful. And we all thought, yeah, what makes you think so? He's calling people to arms. Chris Warnowski. Yeah. To your to your point about, you know, will will this change people's mind? I, you know, I would like to say that this is this is the exit ramp. You know, this is where this is where the people who have been, you know, sort of allowing this to happen so they can get their way through policy and things like that for these past four years. You know, we're really going to see where the division is between the people who have really been dishonest with their constituents about who Trump is and what Trumpism is. And the people who are sort of the true believers, the people who are who have gone like full Jim Jones on Trumpism. And I think back to to Mitt Romney's speech yesterday, which if you had told me four years ago, I'd be sitting here applauding Mitt Romney for doing anything. I'd tell you <laughs> out of your mind. But um, <clears throat> but but he's right. You know, and I and I have a friend who's a, an expert in disinformation. And and when I express my frustration with Trump voters, sometimes she likes to remind me, like, look. These people have had this this nonsense and this hatred and everything poured into them by the the 
the main authority figure of this country. And you have to remember that these ideas are placed in their brains by authority figures, by the Nino Vitales of the world, by the Jim Jordans of the world. The true, those are the true believers. Those are the people who are full in on this, who, who I don't know. Don't, I, I, I don't know that I buy that they're true believers. I think I'm much more cynical. But there are that, some of them. You have QAnon people in Congress now. Right. You know, but, but and Jim that is, Jordan, I think, is a rank opportunist. I don't believe he believes any of this stuff. How could he? But 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 to my point is, is that this is if you if, you know, these people have been afraid of Trump is of, of the blowback of of going against Trump. Here's your moment. Yeah, but Here's that makes them a bunch of cowards, though. They, well, but look, look, for four years, I stuck my tail between my legs and took it instead of doing the right thing. And right. And you should wear away. that wear that scarlet C for however long voters allow them to stay in office. But to the voters of this state who, who, who listen to this podcast, you know, this is your moment to get these people out of office. We, we have we have stopped. Having there, there are people we need. We're never going to be able to have serious policy discussions with people who have bought into Trumpism, and we have serious problems right. in this country right now. People are dying. You know, All right. we're 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 running out of time on this segment. I'm sorry, I've got to cut you off. <laughs> You're listening to this week in the CLE. Were there similarities between the insurrection in Washington yesterday and the May 30th riot that happened in Cleveland? Chris Ranowski, this was something that struck you early in watching this unfold. You noticed some parallels and you're right. There are some parallels. Let's talk about that a little bit. Right. So the night before this happened, I, I was watching some of the protests unfold on Twitter and I was like, oh, this all looks really familiar. But it, it, and, and it kind of reminded me and, and I'm not saying that ideologically these things are the same, but it was like, oh, wow, like you have police clashing with people on the streets, uh, not really to the degree where, you know, they were being tear gassed or, or anything like that. But it was, you know, there was some shoving and stuff. And and, and it was pretty evident that this was going to get really heated the next day when, you know, this stop the steel speech was going to happen down the street from the Capitol. And, and you watch the Trump speech and you watch, you know, Fredo, his son, and, you know, all the, you know, regular characters, you had Rudy Giuliani go up and say, you know, we should decide this by, what did, what did he say? By, by trial, by combat. trial, by combat. And, and you had the president saying that, that he was going to march down to the Capitol with him, which is a total lie. He doesn't walk anywhere. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, and, you know, and he tucked tail and went back to the white house and probably stuffed his face with McDonald's. And, and but then, they well, st- you know, though, I, I do want to point out that he's a guy that always tries to pretend he's a strong man, but in the moment when he wanted these people to march, he was a coward and went and sequestered himself in the white house. He did not lead his insurrection. He just sparked it and then ran away to let them get in trouble. Right. And so as it as it neared, as they started to march toward the Capitol, it, as they got to the bottom of the steps, it reminded me of, uh, you know, what I saw when I was downtown May 30th, which was, oh, my goodness, they they have not. They erected some pretty small fences and there are no police out here. I mean, they're in. And, and so they were pretty easily. I mean, they just moved some fencing aside and kind of walked up the steps and just took it over. And they weren't and prepared. I mean, no, that, it, it, it was the clearest thing. And despite 
months of buildup, months of Donald Trump saying, you know, stand by and encircling the, the date. They they did what what they did in Cleveland. They just didn't have any cops on hand. There was nobody there. And 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 what I thought was really odd is that the day before this, every like news agencies were reporting that there was a credible threat about a possible air attack on the Capitol. So you would think that you know on top of of having normal security in the face of what you know is going to be a heated rally. You know, they're, they're pro- you know, I was figuring there were, that place was just going to be on lockdown and it wasn't. And and it was just really surprising. And it, and it dawned on me. I was like, hey, I've seen this before, you know, and 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 then you saw them get into the Capitol, which, you know, if you remember, there was a claim that the, the Justice Center had been breached. And but this is what an actual breach looks like. You know, they you know, you had these buffoons in their costumes and. And in their their little outfits, like running around and taking selfies, and and, and and really, and I have to say, if you're going to do some crime, you know, it might be a, a good idea to put on a mask. Like I know a lot of these people are anti-mask people, but but this might be the one time you put on a mask. Let, so you let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you this. In in Cleveland, it was 100. percent They were out, man. They, they were yeah. just way more protesters than there were cops, and the, and we've reported in detail about that. In this, though, some of the Capitol Police were taking selfies with these guys. Is there a possibility that the Capitol Police are Trumpsters who believed in this cause and stood back to let it happen because they supported it? I I mean, I don't want to speculate too much about that because I I assume at some point there will be an investigation into this. I know Tim Ryan has it was one of the few lawmakers who actually, you know, it it was it was odd to see all these lawmakers gushing over the Capitol Police. Like, I'm not I'm not repudiating them all, you know, but, but it was, it was, it was interesting that people who got in the building knew where to go. Like, how would you know where Nancy Pelosi's office was? How would you know, you know, where to go to, to stage whatever it is you were doing? It just, it seemed really suspicious. And so, and and it's my understanding that, that at some point there was a request to bring in the national guard and the president initially balked at it, that he, he didn't want to send them in. And, and so, yeah, they were outmanned for a while. And then well, I, I think the police force that eventually came in, I think Baltimore ended up having the same. And it's, you know, and that was the same thing that happened here. You know, they had to scramble to get a force of, I think, a bunch of suburban police officers came in to to sort of serve as, as backup once things sort of mutually escalated. Well, 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 except, except in <laughs> Cleveland, they shut it down much quicker. We might have had three and a half hours, three hours of trouble in Cleveland. This thing was brewing all day. And, and Donald Trump, I mean, every politician, Republican politician that you heard from yesterday was saying, I keep trying to call him to get him to do something about this. And hours went by without him doing anything. And that contrast with when he wanted to go take that ridiculous photo with the Bible in front of the church, and they clean they cleared out Lafayette Square with tear gas and all sorts of things on a peaceful protest. He he intentionally allowed this to happen. And if you read what's coming out of the White House as people are quitting in, in disgust now, they're saying he was reveling in this, that he was mm-hmm. he was excited by the fact they were going to interrupt the vote. The president of the United States sparking and being excited by this. You would, you know, what do you think if you're one of the 70 million people who voted for him? What, what do you think they're thinking today? I mean, I don't think anybody on this podcast did. I didn't. But but what are they thinking? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there are people who who view this as a good thing. And, and, you know, and then you see, 
you know, there are lawmakers who saying, oh, I think they were infiltrated by Antifa or whatever. And it's, it's like, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, like, right. like, get, it's like, happened. it's like, get real. Like, like, it's weird to think that like, you know, a lot of these guys were going on, you know, they were going on social media and bragging about it. So, so yeah, but that's, it's tiny, but that's and, not and, middle and, America. And, that's not the 70 million people, the 70 million people who voted for him, who are not lunatics that storm the Capitol. I just wonder what I saw some people trying to defend it last night and I was surprised they're still trying to defend it because looking at what happened yesterday, I, I can't um, believe there's anybody who objectively would say Donald Trump should still be president. Right. I mean, he, yeah. he exhorted people to have an insurrection in the Capitol and storm our Capitol building. There's no way you would think he should be president. And yet I saw people saying, well, you know, I don't like the man, but I like his policies. It's like, man, how do you how do you begin to separate that? There's somebody that stands for everything that America does not and proved it with just, one stroke. Before we wrap this up, I just want to say one thing. So when when they came back and they started to, to to do the voting, it was interesting because Kelly Loeffler was one of the first Republicans to withdraw her objection. She she got up and she said, after what I have seen here today, you know, I can't in good conscience go forward with this. And she withdrew her objection. But but my observation to a friend was, okay. I said, that's sort of like these people who run around without a mask on and get in people's faces about wearing masks, who then suddenly get the coronavirus and tell people, oh, we got to take this serious now. (laughs) I mean, I I had the same level of frustration when that happened. All right. That's a great analogy. (laughs) Got to move on. It's this week in the CLE. How did Northeast Ohio react to what happened in Washington yesterday? on social media and in the chat rooms. Laura Johnston, I, I'm really curious to know how you dealt with your kids on this. You have two two kids that were, were seeing this, and, and this is their country now. This is what they think life is. So what did you see when you were on social media out in your Rocky River neighborhood, and what were you hearing about parents and their kids? Yeah, I think this shocked a lot of people who, even though we have been talking about the possibility for months, to see it happen on the TV, everybody was just floored. And yeah, I had to, while I was on the computer posting pictures yesterday of what was happening, my kids were watching it on TV and saying, what, what is going on? And um, it's really hard to explain to your kids what you're seeing when you you know, it, it's it's the first time in your life you've ever seen it. And some of the messages on, on social media I saw, my, my neighbor posted, like, where is Linda Ellerby when you need it? Like, she used to do those Nickelodeon, like, news specials explaining things to kids. But I, I think it is really important to talk to your children about this and how to deal with emotions like, you know, anger and disappointment and teach them, you know, words and that storming the Capitol is not something that we've seen in any of our lifetimes before now, but it it is, it's something, it's not going to be a one-time conversation. I think, I think this is going to have to be ongoing, but I, I feel like it's really good that we are having these conversations and our kids are growing up with, with rather than not talking about politics or race or these tough things, we're in a generation that is very much about having open conversations with our children. What did you say on social media? I, I what I was struck by, um, my wife is in a in her high school group from from New Jersey, and she's always amazed at the number of almost delusional 
people that are on there, you know, talking about Hunter Biden and all the nonsense. And they were all largely silent yesterday. Uh, did you see out in, in your area people uh, trying to parse that, that yeah, the protester, the, the insurrectionists, the protesters, they're bad, but Trump's still good? Or no, I, I think with what might actually happen out of this, and I think that we won't know for a long time, is that we might even become even more uh, partisan on these social media platforms where people were saying, if you think, if you have any sympathy for what happened today, unfriend me. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to see you. I don't. I, I can't pretend that I can have a civil conversation with you because this was such a breach of everything that we believe in. So people were, instead of like ranting at each other, we're just like saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you because this is wrong and we shouldn't be having this discussion. So it's, it'll be interesting to see if, if it gets even worse or if people really realize that like, we don't ever want to see that again in our country. We need to have civilized discussion and not tell people you know, to go fight in the in the capital. The constant theme that I think all of us saw on social, local and national was the comparisons of how police dealt with a bunch of largely white insurrectionists storming the capital compared to how police across this country and in the capital dealt with black Black Lives Matter protesters who were far more peaceful, um, did not storm the capital. That, I mean, that was everywhere. And Chris, you said that started almost immediately. Chris yeah, it, it's it's it, I, I saw that point made to the point of exhaustion, but I don't think it's a I think it's a point that can be made, you know, into, in, you know, it, until the end of time. And, and it needs to be said. And and, you know, there was a really heated exchange last night when they started counting the votes where, you know, what part of the comment where the guy where, you know, uh, Connor Lamb of Pennsylvania called. Uh, somebody a liar is getting all the attention, but he pointed out, you know, on the floor of the of, of the house that, you know, we know why this happened, and it's because of how these people looked. If, if they had if they had looked different, this this the outcome probably would have been a lot different. I think the response would have been different. It, it, it's you know you can't you can't have a straight face conversation about this without talking about you know, the difference in, in the tone of how they respond to, to Black Lives Matter protests and this, because, you know, it, 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 I mean, it's, it's pretty objectively clear that, that the responses are different. Yeah. I completely agree with, with Chris. I saw the same thing, people posting photos to compare. There's a, there's a whole, there's a whole theory that you don't, you don't attack right-wing people because, of persecution and all this stuff. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to turn the, this into another Ruby Ridge or a Waco or, or, or whatever. And, and, and so that's how law enforcement approaches right wing violence and stuff like that. But, but I, I think that's a lot of hooey. Okay. You're listening this week in the CLE. I, I, I just can't take this conversation to who the new sheriff is or Barbara. <laughs> Bill Bennett. So for a while, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was gonna, really looking forward to saying yeah. there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah, <laughs> Well, I'm going to call an audible um, and uh, and ask the question, what happens next for Mike DeWine? Jane Cahoon, he's under a major league uh, microscope right now because of his fumbling with the vaccine. I mean, we keep talking to people who are like furious that the state is not doing anything and basically making the locals all do it with no help, no money, no guidance. So when he stands up today before reporters, I am sure he's going to get pounded on that. He's also surely going to be pounded with questions about 
how do you still stand by Donald Trump? Do you still believe he's a great leader? All the superlatives that he threw at Donald Trump and his handling of the coronavirus, that's going to come up. What does he say? I mean, if he stands by him today, that that even more firmly links his future to this guy who I do believe is no longer going to be the kingmaker. And and he's got this major coronavirus problem. We all want to get out of this thing. We're sick of the pandemic. And he's fumbling it in a way that I wouldn't have thought possible. What happens? I don't think he can win in this situation. Can I just say that no matter what he does, even as you said, even if he repudiates Trump, people are going to say, well, why didn't you say that? earlier before this disaster happened why why didn't you call him out but, 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 but let me um, let me this isn't going to happen but but what if he came out today and said look before you even ask me uh, i've stood by donald trump for for four years i managed this campaign and with what happened yesterday my eyes are much more wide open i apologize i was wrong we should not be backing somebody like him as the national leader he doesn't stand for anything we stand for i'm sorry would would that get him somewhere I wonder, I, I don't see that happening, but you could argue that that would be the most graceful way out of this at the most honest way out of this, because I mean, Mike DeWine, he's, he's a religious person who takes his faith seriously. I mean, I just, I can't believe he condones, you know, what, what Trump has done here and, I think some honesty would would really go a long way. And you Will it happen? It, right? I, I'm skeptical. Pardon he, me. He can't parse it. He can't. He can't say I condemn the violence, but I stand by Donald Trump because Donald Trump created the violence, and so right. so it's a really difficult spot. And it's coming. really really difficult. I mean, maybe in the, the midst of this coronavirus disaster, as you <laughs> I said, mean, it's you not know. like this is Laura Johnston. It's not like Ohio was close. So. I don't, you know, like when it came to to voting for the presidency. So you got to wonder where everybody else's heads in Ohio are. Yeah, but Mike DeWine does try and hold himself out as a guy who does the right thing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're doing the right thing today, you you've got to push it. You know, Chris Christie tried. I I don't know if you heard what he had to say. He goes, the the, the Donald Trump I'm seeing for the last eight weeks is not the Donald Trump I've seen for the past four years. It's like, yes, it is. It's exactly the same guy. (laughs) Nice try, Chris Christie. Uh, You know, he's, I guess, planning to run for president. I I just, other than canceling today's briefing, I think Mike DeWine is going to be in for a tough time. And this follows the briefing on Tuesday, where both Jackie Borchardt and Laura Hancock, our reporter, as we discussed earlier, drilled him pretty hard on, you are not showing us your plan. You've been working on your plan for the vaccine for six months. Where is it? And he laughed at Laura in a most disparaging way and and said, I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you when I think you should know. So he's already coming off a very rocky moment. And we heard from a lot of people that were glad that we we did that. They felt like we were really representing their interests. That's going to come today, but now it's going to come with you manage this guy's campaign. This guy who people are very seriously talking about today, invoking the 25th Amendment to remove from office. Actually, that might be a question today. Do you think that the 25th Amendment should be invoked to put him on the record? Does he squirm and say, I'm not going to answer that? I mean, today is going to be a difficult day for him. Well, I think it's interesting, too, if I could point out the, the Republican Party in Ohio is totally Trump. You know, Jane Timken, the chairman, 
was basically owes her job as chairmanship to Trump, who promoted her for that job. And, uh, you know, does DeWine, if DeWine takes a position like that, is he going against that Republican Party machine and how do they handle that? Because up until now, the the Ohio Republican Party has stood by DeWine and kind of walked that line between, you know, we totally support Trump and but we also support Mike DeWine. So it, the dyna- dynamics are really interesting. It's, OK, I, anybody I, have any final thoughts on this, Chris Warnowski? Mm-hmm. I just, I just want to say, I, you know, there's, there's a, a significant part of me that, that believes that, that Mike DeWine is not owed the benefit of the doubt on this, that this, this should hang on his neck for however much, however long he decides to remain in politics because he, I mean, we have made a point and, and other reporters across the state have made a point to try to, you know, he, he, he views it as us trying to, get him to say nasty things about the president. And and in reality, I don't think what he he understands or maybe he understands it and is trying to sort of get around it for reasons of not wanting to make his job more difficult. But the president's dishonesty about the virus has hurt people. It's killed people. And I know and, and he has said that the president did a great job on the. On right. The and, 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 and it, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I think he. He, he he shouldn't be allowed to wiggle out of this too easily by by having a you know a, a deathbed apology for you know in his career. So well with this with his increasing role in HB six and with the virus, he's got a lot of rocks rocky times ahead in his next two years before he runs for reelection. You're listening to this week in the CLE. All right. Well, we did the whole conversation on what happened yesterday. <laughs> and, and probably, How could we not? Yeah, it's the big event. So thank you, Jane. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Laura. Thanks to everybody who listens to this podcast. We'll be back to wrap up the week of news tomorrow. 